Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of a sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. I am George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. Steve, let's carry on with some listener questions. A lot of interest in this one. Uh, the first one is from Psychop. What do you make of the resistance of some branches of government resisting the UAP task force as per the recent article in Political? Yes. One of the things that emerged from the efforts of Mellon on the Hill he briefed uh, the then chair of the Senate Intel Committee, which was uh, Ru- Marco Rubio, and also the ranking member, Mark Warner. Mark Warner it, it made it, it knowledge that he had been briefed. That's all. Uh, we didn't hear anything from Mark Rubio until Marco Rubio, until uh, he did something pretty interesting. He, and I do not know to what extent Mellon and or Mark Warner participated in this, but he made the decision to put some language in the Defense Intelligence Appropriations Bill. I say language. It's in the comment section. It's a request. It's not a a law. It's a request, but it's a request from a very powerful committee that, and they targeted the very recently created, for the purpose, I think, uh, UAP task force at the the, at the uh, Office of Naval Intelligence, ONI, that the ONI, as well as other agencies as needed, would provide a report back to Congress about a number of things. And I can bring up the, the bill and actually read read some to if you want. If, um, if you've got it handy, that would be great. I can do that. Uh, a number, of, a, a range of things, and provide that to the Senate Intelligence Committee no later than 180 days after the bill was signed. This was a pretty clever move on the part of Marco Rubio. By doing this, he literally put himself right out in front of the issue. Everybody else has been working on this for decades. Marco Rubio, almost near the end of the whole process, jumped out in front. That's good. That's okay. No problem. Uh, and he did it in a, a clever way because he knew that it was going to take months before the bill got signed. And then 180 days after that would be well into 2021 after the election. Uh, and things were calmed down. So he, there was plenty of time. 
And he wasn't running for Congress. He wasn't running for Senate, rather, in 2020. So he was safe. So this is a very safe maneuver on the part of Marco Rubio. And interesting. So it generated a lot of press, a lot of interest. For me, it was simply more confirmation that the hearing process is where this is all going. Strong confirmation. Because uh, reports and information from committees is exactly what you need and want for congressional hearings to be comprehensive. In other words, not just witnesses, but if you can get reports and so forth from relative committees, or rather uh, agencies, and so, that is, that's, that's what you want. So this was basically confirming to me, yeah, hearings are coming. That's why I can say it with such a strong sense of certainty, though there's, not, there's no such thing as absolute certainty. And as it happens, the bill wasn't signed until very late in the year, and the, dead, the deadline, the quote, deadline, 180 days. Remember, this is not a law. This is a request. Uh, was uh, mid-June. Okay. So, it, that, that has given, <clears throat> one of the good things about that is it gave the media an absolute perfect excuse to write up stuff. In other words, there was no editor that was going to say, oh, no, it's not appropriate to write up uh, about this, uh, this potential report. And in general, it made it easier to, again, write up about the issue itself, anything else that was happening. The amount of media coverage on all of this that I've been talking about that's been going on for three years is, is huge. Huge. Um, and I'll get back to that. So just to give you an idea, the committee, here's the language from the bill, just a little bit. The committee supports the efforts of the Unidentified Aerophenomena Task Force, which had been just set up. In other words, in other words this is not, think of this as chess, okay? Move here, move there, come together, whatever. It's a chess game under plan, uh, uh, unfolding. Uh, of the Office of Naval Intelligence to standardize collection and reporting on unidentified aerial phenomena. Any and any links they have to adversarial government, foreign governments, national security, and the threat they pose to U.S. military assets and installations, national security. And the things they ask for, detailed analysis of unidentified aerial phenomena data and intelligence. By the way, here's one of the reasons why UAP was extremely important to move to and get out of a UFO. It's because they don't have to say UFO here. I assure you, nobody wants to put UFO in a defense intelligence appropriation bill. Yeah. Now they can say unidentified aerial phenomenon, data and intelligence reporting collected or held by the Office of Naval Intelligence, including data and intelligence reporting held by the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. A detailed analysis of unidentified phenomenon, a detailed analysis of data of the FBI, a detailed description of an interagency process for ensuring timely data collection, identification of an official ac accountable process described in paragraph four, identification of any incidents or patterns that indicate a potential adversary. All right, that's what he put in there. Very good. So that then put down a benchmark so the question was, 
and is, what will they deliver and when will they deliver it? Now, for me, that's extremely important. And it gets to be complicated. For one thing, the, uh, the delivery of this report is also somewhat impacted by those variables that I told you about. Attacks on the Capitol building, uh, a massive new surge of COVID, the vaccine schedule, and hopefully nobody in Congress shooting another member of Congress on the House or Senate floor, things like that. And that, that could delay it. And understand, extending it is trivial. All, all Mark Rubio has to do is say, I extend it. That's it. <laughs> it's no big deal. All right. And so the possibility of extending the report is there. Now, there's a great deal of anticipation. And so not surprisingly, Lou Elizondo and, le to a lesser degree, Chris Mellon, and recently, I believe, even Marco Rubio have raised the specter of possibly extending it. And that's, that's because, look, th this report is now being written about all over the world. And so if it's going to have to be extended, you'd better give some notice that that could happen. Or you're going to have a whole lot of unhappy civilians on your hands here. And so they're lowering expectations. I get that. All right. If it gets extended, I'm not going to be heartbroken. But understand, and this is something I, I repeat over and over again, for those of you that are sitting on the edge of your chair, because this report might spill the goods, this is going to be it. All right, they're going to deliver this or deliver that. You have to understand that elements within the United States government, people who have the need to know, and well, of, as well as many others who figured it out or been tipped off privately, have known about the extraterrestrial presence since no later than 1947. They've known about it for 75 years. They have massively investigated. They have all kinds of unacknowledged special access programs addressing it and the technology and the crash vehicles for 75 years. And this is true of the Canadian government, the UK government, the Australian government, the French government, and on and on. And probably because of the turmoil, maybe a little later, but the Soviet government and the Chinese government. So, again, keep that in mind. More importantly, all of these governments, but particularly the United States, has a 70-year track record of lying refusing to giving up material, I mean, hiding, hiding documents, lying, stonewalling, misrepresenting, and so forth. And so to assume that this report is going to be groundbreaking would be incautious. There are people inside our military and intelligence community who oppose this. I guarantee it. They, they, they didn't want to see the TTSA come out. They didn't want to see any of this happen. They want, they are committed to this truth embargo remains forever, or at least as long as they're alive. And you're not, I'm not just talking a couple of people. I'm talking there's substantial opposition. And there has been plenty of time for the opposition to maneuver its way to a place where they can scotch this report or make it a nothing burger. So 
that has to be taken into consideration. Now, the more coverage, the more people get excited, the more activism, and there's lots of it bubbling up in Facebook and Twitter. I'm getting calls and so forth. The more press coverage, uh, a little more difficult for them to serve up that nothing burger. So any delay, though, puts at risk a report that will be construct helpful. But I assure you, they will deliver up what they want to deliver up. The government, when it comes to government UAPs, you can file 10,000 FOIAs. You're only going to get what they want you to have, no matter how many times you sue, and uh, or tell you there's nothing there. Period. This is classified at the highest level. And so they are not necessarily going to deliver up anything meaningful. But I assure you that the people on the other end of that Senate request at the ONI and probably and elsewhere, DOD and so forth, they are aware of the congressional hearings that are coming. Absolutely aware. And so they know that this report is going to be a factor in those hearings. Unless they deliver a massive nothing burger, which is something I worry about, that then gives every member of Congress the excuse to go, hearings? We don't need hearings. Hey, we got the report that was requested by uh, Marco Rubio. There's nothing there. And we always knew that. There's no ETs. It's just a misunderstanding. Or, or, or more importantly, simply, I haven't got the guts to do this, and you've just given me an excuse to go hide under my desk. So I'll be under my desk. Thank you very much. I worry about that, but I, I'm, I'm less thinking that's going to happen. And so they know that they, whatever they deliver, and it's not going to be four glass containers holding the dead aliens from Roswell, I can assure you. Whatever they deliver will be sufficient to be a constructive part of those hearings and will make them look good. Meaning, hey, we, we helped. Here's what we got. Maybe we can get more. You know, I mean, it's a big subject. There's a whole lot of programs and so forth, but <clears throat> we've helped, and that, that's a win for them. And so, again, that's <clears throat> what I think may have. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, so if, if the report's deadline is formally, they say formally extended, and it better be for a specific amount of time. If they make it indefinitely, well, then I'm just going to get more and more nasty and, and vocal. But if it's extended, say for another two months, then that is a very good indicator that the time frame for hearings has been obviously clearly pushed forward. Uh, and then we can maybe guess about when it's going to happen. This summer certainly is right. Uh, it's perfectly fine. So let's hope that that happens. But now let me get into the reasons why these hearings can't be delayed too much. There are some very powerful reasons for that. Um, here's the first one, and this is my this is I'm 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 saying this for the benefit of the, the current president Biden, who lives just two blocks from where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I'm just two blocks from the White House. My office, if they ever need me, I, mean, I can just walk over. Um, every day that goes by in the Biden administration, President Biden starts to own the truth embargo. 
every single day. Too many people know too much. Too many people have figured out it's all true. Too many people know that the government has known about this since, since, since uh, Roswell. And Joe Biden has been in, in Washington, D.C. at the height of government for 47 years or 57, 47 at least, might be 57 years. Biden administration vice president, knew the Clintons very well, worked with them. Not, it's just, he's been there a long time. And so every day that goes by, this becomes his truth embargo. Uh, just like it was Trump's truth embargo, Bush's truth embargo, and Obama's truth embargo. And so every day that goes by, he has to answer this basic question. Mr. President, why didn't you tell us this a month ago, two months ago, three months ago? Are you saying that you just figured it out? You think what, you just, it just came to you in a dream? That is not helpful to his legacy. He's going to have enough of a problem anyway, because people, there are going to be people who are going to say, Joe, you, you, you've been in government for 47 years. You didn't know that something was going on there. You weren't aware of it. You didn't know about the Clintons, Podesta, all that stuff, just weren't paying attention. But the sooner he gets it done, the sooner he's a hero, the sooner those questions are less important. So that's one reason. He does not want to become than just the current latest in addition of long string of, dis, of, of disclosure presidents. Second reason is this president is facing a situation in the country comparable to FDR in 1933. He's got problems that, that frankly, I, that would crush many. And, and the way you solve problems in, in Washington, particularly if you're the executive, is you spend political capital. You have X amount of political capital and you start spending it. And you get this done and you get that done. And if what you do has benefits and is well received, you're given some extra capital, bonus capital, and you can spend that. And, but if you ever run out of capital, you're dead in the water. Turn the light out. Go home. So the amount of political capital he needs to deal with the problems we face is big. It's huge. And what could be more symbolic than that, than a $3 trillion uh, additional uh, support bill, COVID bill, followed by another $2 trillion infrastructure bill. I mean, so m just on the sheer basis of money, he's, he's saying we have to spend huge amounts of money in order to solve these problems and deal with these issues. But every one of those dollars is part of his political capital. So he is, he is suggesting spending $5 trillion of my political capital. I assure you, if he doesn't get a return on investment, he's done. He's going to have a really big problem on his hands. So he needs all the help he can get. Well, let me be frank. The president or the executive who confirms the extraterrestrial presence to the world's people, the first one, not the third one, or the fifth one, the first one, will achieve perhaps the greatest political legacy in history and a huge deposit in their political capital bank. Biden could then use that political capital to help solve these other problems, the other issues that we have to deal with. So that's a second reason. The third reason is that this process has been going on a long time. 
And the fact that we're kind of moving for hearings is not a secret anymore. And the fact that I pretty much know it, I assure you, every top intel operation in the world knows it. And that includes Russia and China. Hell, China probably hacked the emails already. <laughs> so, so, so it's a, it's a, and it's a slow process. It may take months. What does that mean? It means that the autocratic president of China, the autocratic president of Russia, has all the time they want to contemplate this and decide, ah, America and President Biden, they are approaching the finish line to win first place, get the ribbon. I think I'll just hold a press conference and make the announcement myself. I don't need to have a hearing. I don't need anything. And so I will tell the world the extraterrestrial presence is real. Back it up with a lot of really quality, A, number one evidence, which we will provide to the media. And I will get that political legacy. I will snatch it right out from under President Biden's nose. So the longer this takes, the more likely one of those heads of state could do that. And I assure you, that would not be good. That would be bad for America. Not necessarily bad for the whole planet. Not necessarily bad in the longer term. Short term, bad, bad. All right? So there's three very powerful reasons why it needs to happen earlier. And there is one, and then there's that one reason I mentioned. If the hearings don't take if the hearings have not taken place before the report comes in which has now become this milestone event and that report is a nothing burger then it's possible that the congress will bail and we won't get the hearings in which all of this continues on forward into the 20 21st century which unless we get disclosure frankly is is one of the reasons i don't have children uh because it'll be a really awful time. So um, that gives you that gives you a sense of that. Absolutely, that's a great question, a great response. Uh, the next question, Steve, was from David, and he wants to know why do you lean so heavily towards the ET hypothesis, disregarding others like interdimensional or time travel hypotheses? Hey, it's it's like it's like everything in life. We we see what we see. And we have to make the decisions about what we're going to do, how we're going to act. We're making decisions every minute of the day about what to do next, what not to do next. And, and these decisions are influenced by our understanding of the world. Okay? So, and probability plays in, 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 into, uh, into it all the time. We're constantly making hard, important decisions on probability. We assess what's the likelihood that if I do this, that's going to happen, or if I do that, that's going to happen. And we do it all the time, and, we're, and we're, it's built into us, wired into our brain. And uh, some people are better at it than others. Some people make unbelievably stupid mistakes that logically made no sense at all because not everybody has uh, got the same wiring or the same education or gifts. So if I'm... I once visited the uh, the uh, skyscraper. What's the skyscraper? What's that skyscraper of the United States? The big one, not not the new one, but the other one, the, the Empire State Building. And I'm up there on one of the platforms. Now, 
I could have decided to jump off that that platform because there is a possibility that gravity doesn't always apply or there's a possibility that I'm if I hold my arms out and glide, that I'll just kind of glide on down and land somewhere on Fifth Avenue. There's a possibility of that. But the reason I don't jump off is because I know that that possibility is so low that it would be probably a grave mistake. And this is also true in science all the time. Researchers are having to make decisions about which path to take with respect to a particular area of study. And there will be three paths one of which will have a probability of 90%, one will have a probability of 3%, another 2%. So I got to invest the money and time in the 2%. Some might, and it might pay off. So this is how you have to go through life. And so, and, th and in this field, it happens all the time. What is the probability that this is a time travel event? It is way less than 1%. It may be less than one-tenth of a percent. It's not impossible, but the nature of what we know about physics even now is such that time travel is extremely unlikely. What's the possibility is other dimensional? All we know about other dimensions right now is confined to the area of mathematics and associated with certain theories. Mostly it's string theory. So in the case of string theory, when you try to work out the math to support the theory, <clears throat> it turns out <clears throat> that the concept starts to make sense if, in fact, there is a reality is of, it varies, the number of dimensions vary, but say 11, 11 dimensions in which eight of them are curled up in a tiny, tiny, tiny space. And because that is a legitimate area of discussion and was actually published and so forth, people just went hog wild. Not to mention, of course, movies and things like that. That's it. And so the chances that there are other dimensions that people can pass in and out of, is that it been confirmed? People, people want to use talk about that? I'm saying... To the extent that there is evidence for that, there is a hundred million times more evidence for the extraterrestrial presence. So this is just very, very unlikely. And so I'm not going to invest time in exploring that option or basing any activism on that option. I'm not going to detract away from the massive evidence for the ET presence of individuals from other planets who are intelligent, sentient, and can build things. I'm just not going to waste time there. Others go, no, 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 I, I, saw, I saw this movie and I saw that movie. I've seen all these time travel movies and, man, I'm telling you, it's got to be real. They're movies. You got the time, study the science. So, no. Odds are incredibly low, not likely. You're going to have to settle from system to system uh, intelligent beings who have found a workaround the relativity issues so they could travel long distances. There is only one way that is proven and known to, quote, move through time. But it's not time travel. 
but it is possible, and it makes for a fascinating discussion about what some advanced extraterrestrial civilizations might do. And what I'm referring to is this. Almost certainly, when an ET travels from one system to another many light years, and, and, it, and say it's done in weeks, there's no time dilation. In other words, they... The, 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 the ETs they leave behind on their home planet are not going to age that much while they take a couple of week excursion to our solar system because of the work around relativity. They solve the time problem, the mass problem, and probably the dilation problem. However, if you were to take a craft up to huge amounts of speed, which I don't think you can, even the ETs can't, because as you get toward the speed of light, the mass of that craft grows and grows and grows. I mean, it just becomes an utterly impossible situation. But there's something you can do. And that is, if you can find a black hole, and there are millions of them in our galaxy, if you can find a black hole, one that's not absorbing any, any uh, uh, matter from its nearest around, meaning it's not near another star or whatever, and it's sucking in, or gas cloud, is sucking in gas around it, which would make it very, very dangerous. Basically just a black hole, right? And you bring that craft in and, and, and bring it in at decent speed, and you orbit that black hole. And you slowly shrink your orbit of the black hole towards the event horizon. Uh, how close you can get to the event horizon, I don't know, okay? But as close as you safely can. And you did this on April the 1st, 2021. By the way, this is April Fool's Day, which means that everything I have said for the last hour is, is nothing but a joke. <laughs> I'm, I, no, I take that back. I take that back, folks. Don't miss – don't take that out of context. <laughs> If you did that, after a not great deal of time, as you're hanging out in your craft, cruising around the black hole, watching, watching Netflix, whatever, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years would pass on planet Earth. This is time dilation. Time is moving much slower for you than on Earth because of the effects of relativity, you're operating in the relativistic universe under those circumstances. Now you leave the black hole, you kick the engine, break out, and cruise on to Earth. And the Earth you're going to encounter, the one that you were aware of on April the 1st, 2021, is now April the 1st, 4021. You are in Earth's future. You did not travel through time. You slowed your own time down through relativity. That is the only way, but it is doable. And I can imagine alien civilizations that do exactly that. And, that, and, and, and we could do if we developed interstellar craft uh, that also had the ability, a substantial, what we'll call, non-relativistic speeds and get a, find a black hole, do it to ourselves. And so you could imagine, this would make for, I don't know, I don't know if, sci, if, if, if I'm sure this has been a, a part of a sci-fi uh, sci book at some point or another, 
Uh, I, I stopped reading sci-fi long ago because I am the time, but uh, you could have a civilization that assigns that just just for the hell of it uh, uh, put some substantial uh, some craft out there filled with their their uh, their beings uh, to to go and do this and uh, never come back. They're never going to come back, right? Or at least you're never going to see them again. And so these craft go out, and what they do is exactly that. They explore uh, uh, parts of the galaxy, systems, and what have you, and then at some point they jump forward. They find that black hole. They slow down their time. Then they jump forward and start going to see these civilizations a thousand, two thousand years later. Uh, what good that would do, I don't know, but it would be something you could do. It would be fascinating. If there was a way to send information back in time, which I'm pretty sure there isn't, then uh, they could then report back that way and say, hey, here's, here's what's going on 2,000 years later. But no. So is it, is it worth doing? I don't know. Would, it be, would you love to be on that, that, that mission? Would you like to be on a craft that is able to jump forward 1,000, 2,000 years at a jump, study a bunch of stuff, and then go back and jump forward 2,000 more? Yeah, I'd take that job. Anyway, that's my answer to that question. No, thank you, Steve. Adam has the question that if the citizen hearings were done today in 2021, do you think we would see a different approach by the mainstream media? The, the citizen hearing on disclosure did get covered. Uh, it was it was uh, live streamed so that any member of Congress or staffer or any journalist could watch it, and probably many did, because uh, we know thousands did watch it on live stream. Um, and it got covered, and it did its job. Uh, and now, hold if I help, <coughs> if I could find the $700,000 it took to put that on uh, today and, and put on another citizen hearing right now, yeah, it'd get a lot more coverage. There's no question. It would get a lot of coverage. Uh, but it, I don't know if it would be necessary uh, because we're too far along, thanks to the To the Stars Academy. Remember, the To the Stars Academy raised $2.5 million when they initially launched. Uh, it was a public benefit corporation. They, they did a stock drawing $2.5 million. They had, I think they had planned to raise 10 times that, but things obviously didn't go out the way they wanted. Mm -hmm. So they have spent a lot of money. They have done, uh, and they've generated vast amounts of coverage. It would, it would be redundant. It would, it's just, we, I, I, there was other ways I'd spend 700,000 than, than do that. Um, uh, it would be, yeah, so no. Uh, it, it would get a lot of coverage, but it's not something I would do. Now, before I forget, uh, I've said a lot of things here, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are having trouble keeping up, and that's that's okay. Uh, but any one of your listeners want to become one of the smartest people on the planet on what's going down, relative to the whole planet now, all 7 billion. In other words, want to be in the 1%? maybe even a one-tenth of one percent, there's a way you can do it. If you've got a three or four days of time, you go to my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org. And you go up in the menu and you go to resources. You click on resources. Then you drop down 
on a menu until you get to print media archive. And then you go to the, the, the flash page there and you click on PRG media archive. Uh, PRG print archive. And you will get to a page uh, that opens up to nearly 12,000 articles that have been published in the English language on this issue in, in, in mainstream press, not fringe stuff, not paranormal, none of that. And then you need to select 2017. And when that comes up, scroll on down to October 10. And in October 10, 2017, you will find the first article written up regarding the To The Stars Academy. It's the day before they launched. It's earmarked in red. It's easy. You can see, you, you, it's earmarked. It's very clear. Read that article and then start forward chronologically and read every earmarked and read article about the TTSA and events related to the TTSA, both directly and indirectly. And, and that's 700 articles. By the time you get done, you will have read about a 300-page book, maybe. Wouldn't take that long. So you read all 700 of those articles. Then click over to go back up to the menu, click on Issues, drop down to TTSA, select TTSA Media, and go to that page. And what you will find there is over 160 videos of presentations given by members of the TTSA, interviews of them, some news coverage, again, video news coverage, some, some, some radio, some audio only, mostly video, 160. I need to add another 30 or 40. I'm a little behind. Watch them all, preferably chronological order. Go back. To, I think they are in chronological order from the top. Are they? Yeah, they are. Start at the top. Watch them all. And there's a bunch up in the top, too. They're, they're part of a slider. Just There's like four or five embedded at the very top as part of the, 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 uh, the uh, uh, graphic slider. And watch them all. And by the time you've got to the present, you will know more about what's unfolding than 99.9% .9 of all the people on the planet. And you will have a picture. You will see the big picture. You will get why I'm able to say what I'm saying. Because unless you have seen all of that, followed all of that, it's difficult to come to some understanding. What's going on here? That'll take you about three days. Yeah, maybe less if you're intense. And then your confusion will, will be greatly lessened. It's one of my principal contributions to this whole thing. Uh, and I'm happy to do it. And I'm going to add more. It's going gonna, it's gonna to grow. Uh, in fact, it's going to very much grow. So... Uh, again, to, uh, paradigmresearchgroup.org. It's there. Now, it's, there are other places where stuff is being compiled. Uh, some places are, are compiling even more. They're, they're going out into the web. They're going out into just websites and stuff and social media. Thing. I mean, they're just – but it's, it's just too much. Uh, this is a linear, chronological, mainstream account of what's been transpiring since October of 2017, leading to what will be the most profound event in human history. 
and I will make sure the links for that are in the description as well of the podcast, folks. If you're looking for those, they will be there. I've got two more listener questions, Steve, before uh, finishing off on the quick fire with you. Yes, Timothy asks in an area we've not managed to get into yet, and I would love to another time. Um, but he has asked, "Have you ever heard of a case where any abductees or experiencers were given something to eat or drink, and any uh, details or after effects?" No. Uh, now, somewhere between a million and a half a million accounts have been written support, and submitted to researchers by citizens. Anonymously, maybe with with or without name, but by letter, by email. These are all in the files of researchers around the world. I'm I'm more I'm leaning more towards a million than a half million. It's it's one of the most important projects that needs to be done when the money is there and it isn't. Is that uh, those need to be surveyed, all of them, and 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 examined and studied and surveyed and so forth. And and I'm sure the researchers will cooperate, but that's. That's for the post-disclosure world. It very well could be an example of that in there somewhere. Uh, but of the ones that have come forward, I would say the ones that are known, the ones that have been written up by in books and so forth, or have appeared in documentaries, I am not aware of a single case of that. Uh, not aware. I, even and, and Travis Walton was, I think, uh, he was... They had him for a good deal of time. I forget how many days. I don't recall him ever saying anything about, well, now, he, he, they had him for a number of days. He, was, he, was in, he almost died. They basically saved his life. That's why they picked him up. They, they, they had to save his life because they, he did something dumb, and they, they nearly killed him, but it was unintentional. It's very possible that they gave him some water during that period. He wouldn't even remember it. That's that I could understand. Anything beyond that? No. I, what are they going to go to a Safeway and and get some frozen dinners and bring them back and right? Can't give me alien food, so I I don't think so. Maybe a little water. I I'm not aware of any case, unless it involves the Nordics, where ETs are seen eating themselves or drinking. Maybe with the Nordics, I'm not sure, but. These kinds of things are extremely scarce, and that's that's what you would expect. Uh, you, you, there's no accounts of aliens having a computer in their craft, or or uh, bank cards, or wallets, or whatever. I mean, yeah, no, they're, they're pretty lean, mean machines. So, I, I, again, the answer is I, I'm not aware of it. No, thank you for that. It's a, it's a really interesting topic as well. And like you say, that would be something I would love to see the research on done in, in the future. And uh, final question is from Dave Partridge of Shadows of Your Mind magazine. He wants to know, what are your thoughts, Steve, on the global efforts underway to bring the subject to the mainstream? You touched on this earlier when you looked at the social media side of things like the big phone home, EU for UAP, yeah. and James Fox has just uh-huh. uh, come up with UAP Act now as well. Yes. Uh, look, uh, I am aware of uh, activist stuff popping up, plenty of it. There's going to be more, uh, and, and I, I support any activist attempt uh, to, uh, to uh, how would you say, up the ante on this for the government to close it. And you're going to see a lot of it. We, we, we're seeing unprecedented interest, unprecedented amount of social media content. Sightings have gone up. Look, I mean, we are in the final days. 
look, if a meteor hits the planet, destroys everything, well, okay, it, it's not going to happen. But it's going to it's going to take something really big, like uh, as I say, China China decides to sink one of our nuclear aircraft carriers. That would probably delay hearings. I can think of a few other things, but barring that, we're in the we're in the final days, and. Uh, I uh, support these efforts, and w when it's appropriate, I will directly participate in some of this activism. I have some. Own, I have my, a few of my own things I'm going to be doing, but but uh, um, it's great to see everybody joining in. That's good. And so you, you, I'll be involved in the big home phone uh, phone home. Pretty sure I'll be showing up for, for that and others. Some things I can do, some things I can't do, but absolutely, you're seeing finally. Uh, the coming together, thank, thank God for the Internet, which has caused us so much pain and suffering, but it also has brought us great joy and power uh, and other things that the world is finally coming together uh, to make it clear to the blessed governments that serve us and that we pay for that this lie has to end now. It's time to put it to bed. It's time to get the information out. It's time to share so that we can all move forward with civilization together. Just to finish off, Steve, I've got a quick fire round and I want to ask you um, to just say a few words or a few sentences or more. It's up to yourself on each of these topics. And if you have nothing to say, you can move on. The first one would be Bob Lazar. Uh, I, I'm pretty certain that there are key elements of the Lazar case that are absolutely true. It's a very complicated case. I believe Bob's a good man, and I believe that he tried to tell some truth. Uh, so the key parts of his – I'm not saying everything that will, will, will stand, not necessarily because he was being mendacious. I'm simply saying that Bob Lazar will have an historic presence on this issue for what he did and what he said, and, and we will eventually probably know uh, a more precise – uh, knowledge have more precise knowledge of exactly what Bob Lazar experienced. Thank the next one would be Area 51. Yeah. Area 51 was a major base, major place. The whole Nellis Air Force range was major. They keep changing the name. Uh, a lot happened there. But exactly what happened there as opposed to Dugway, as opposed to Wright-Patterson and so forth. Well, that's, you know, that's the government moving the cups around, asking you to tell which, which cup the ball's under. But uh, I assure you, Area 51's role in this would be substantial. And one day, post-disclosure, we're going to learn a lot about that. And I'm sure the Area 51 people that were there are going to be very proud, and they're going to come forward and write memoirs and, and everything else. But uh, it's the real deal. But the, the full nature of the deal is masked by the truth embargo. I look forward to the details. Your thoughts on the Phoenix Lights sighting of the mid-90s? One of the most important events and the phenomena in the history in the U.S., uh, a major event. I likened it to somewhat the events of July 1952. Uh, whatever the government, the government was acting, I think, not the way the ETs expected back in the 48-9-51. Uh, they were trying to shoot the craft down, which wasn't going well for us. And I think they flew over Washington those many days to make a statement. One, look, we're here, and we're going to continue to let people know we're here. There's not a damn thing you can do about it, all right? And this is our way to making that point very emphatic. Move forward uh, 40, 45, 45 years, 1997. I just have a feeling that <clears throat> the alien craft part of that, 
there may, there is several things going on, some of which may be non non ET, but was along those lines because the the extraterrestrials don't need to fly a mile wide craft across a major city of the United States because what they just they wanted to save time getting to Tucson. <laughs> they need to do that. So if that happens. Yeah, or, or maybe their 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 navigational system went off, and they're off course. I don't know. They flew over at Phoenix at that night to make a statement again to the government. Okay, it's uh, fifty years after Roswell, and you still haven't told your people the truth. This is the fiftieth anniversary this year. You put out this stupid report, the Pentagon, just in June, saying it was a, you know, refer, confirming it was a mogul balloon and talking about crash test dummies. You're making a fool of yourself. You're embarrassing yourself. So we're just going to fly this craft over Phoenix to remind you that we are not going away. We're here, and we can do this anytime we want. We would rather not. Because it does create some consternation and confusion, and we don't like to to bother your people. But just know this. Get the job done. Confirm our presence. We have work to do. We have some things to discuss. That's how I see that. But was it an ET craft? You bet it was. Your thoughts on Skinwalker Ranch? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a beaut. I'm, I can't wait for the next series. <laughs> Fourth of May, yep, just over a month. Look, uh, I, I believe that, and I've said this, there is no such thing as the paranormal. And, and, and the term is, is, is bad. It's a bad term. Uh, everything in this universe is normal. Everything. There are no exceptions. There are simply some things we know and understand and some things we don't know and understand or maybe we sort of understand that's the universe all right so nothing i i i would never assert well of course it's 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 obvious that there's plenty about this universe we don't understand besides just what planet the ets come from so and and this turns up all the time. So if a, a fine member of Ireland is out for the nice day and runs across some pretty unusual thing that they totally did not understand, that actually is a small extraterrestrial being basically just chilling out, taking a break before heading back out, uh, they call it a leprechaun, and off we go. I mean, <clears throat> so. But uh, the fact is, is that the, mo the more you devote to trying to understand the world around you, maybe study science, things like that, the less things come under the heading of, I have no idea what the hell that was. So most of the things that are called paranormal that turn up here, there, science channel, history channel, or if I'm really desperate, discovery channel, um, I, I dismiss out of hand. It's just, nah. 
that's whatever's going on there. It, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't impress me, and it's. And in many cases, when you get into the paranormal is when the hoaxes get going. I mean, the, the paranormal is an extremely lucrative genre. And when you're talking about the entire paranormal uh, th- that we call that, not just ETs, but all the whole arena, there's so many ways to have some fun, make a show, write a book. I, so I just dismiss it. However, one exception would be Skinwalker Ranch. Because I know the people that are involved. I know the work that's being done, the level of technology and everything else. And so there's some very unusual things going on there, which I think legitimately come under the heading of we don't understand what's happening. And that's cool. And that's why I totally I, – I, I'm so pleased that Brian brought this – brought the ranch from Bigelow, who had his reasons for letting it go. God knows he's put, put he pays his dues and done his time, uh, and he's willing to go forward. So. I'm dying to learn more about it, uh, but uh, I'm not going to be jumping to conclusions on any of this uh, just because you know, I'm not going to dig and try to find an ET connection uh, that may not be there. Uh, there have been sightings, no problem. There's this extraordinary event that took place invo- involving one of the cattle, which screams uh, a, either a, a, a failed attempt to harvest that animal. Now, that could easily be ET connected, so is that, and some other things. So uh, I, I recommend the series. And uh, just a reminder, I, I was going to say to the listeners, I'm speaking to Brandon Fugel in a few weeks as well. Uh, so yeah. there'll be a lot to I talk meant Brandon, about. I Brandon, not Brian. Yes, Brandon Fugel, yes. Uh, give him my compliments. He's... He's righteous. Now, um, so, and, and so it's great. Uh, but this is not really an ET show, but it is in a way because of George Knapp's connection to the ET issue, which is longstanding. And the fact that there may be an ET connection, but it's more than that. Uh, it is a rare opportunity for so- the real deal to happen, real sophisticated research with top-level equipment, not just another show put together with the ghost hunters and the whatever hunters. So we may – and but there is more of that in this world. Uh, and that, and one of the problems is, is that as time has gone by, the, the, the amount of – anomalies that are recorded and known grow and grow and it's just very difficult to know what to do and there's not a lot of upside there's there's it's not much upside in going into these areas but more importantly it's such there's so much noise if you want to go into parapsychic phenomena it's important we should do it but we've it's not gone as fast as we want except maybe in secrecy because there's so much noise so much nonsense associated with it there's too many other obvious, clear tasks to be done, clear things to learn about. And so the not understood zone has increasingly become, at the same time, more engaged because there's just so much media, so many citizens that could even do this, but also the noise has gone up. So it's kind of a mess. It would be nice if at some point governments, particularly, well, governments, particularly the big countries, 
were to create a division of uh, unusual phenomena research, meaning their job is not to find the cure for cancer or invent a, a better spaceship, but rather their whole focus is, and with substantial resources, looking into every particularly anomalous thing that takes place in the world to see if there's something there. And they have the resources to do it, the means to quickly ascertain if it's a fraud or bogus, and if it's got some legitimacy to really dig into it. And so they would not be considered a standard scientific operation by any means. They would be similar to some of these things that have turned up on television shows without the hype and the fictional part. But they would be legitimate efforts to focus strictly on not the paranormal, but the not fully understood uh, of that type. So, in other words, if there's another... 500 Skinwalker ranches out there, this is a, an organization funded, heavily funded, that would be able to go look into those. And the advantage of that is that it might really advance our understanding a lot faster. Which we would, because one of the ways science advances is because of grassroots science that develops a hypothesis, improves it, and then from that is able to develop another hypothesis, improves it, and just works its way forward in time, picking up a little bit more certainty as it goes. Science does that all the time. Nothing wrong with it. But another way that science advances is this. Somebody notices something that's completely bizarre. There's no groundwork for it. There's, no, there's not a bunch of science already done leading up to it. It's just really out there. And they, they leap on it and look at it and study it a little bit. And eventually we're able to find a connection back to current science and make this huge leap forward. That is not a pro an approach that works for, for uh, commercial operations. <laughs> it's not an approach that works well for government, where your credibility is constantly your concern, and plus you've got to win the next election or keep your job or your funding or whatever else. And so there's just not enough of this going on in the world. So if we actually devoted s substantial resources and legitimate effort at this, we would we would find more circumstances like this where something truly profound has happened, we have no idea what it is, but we're going to try to bring it to ground and connect it to our current science and suddenly make a great leap forward instead of having to wait for it to just by accident or some scientist gets lucky. So we, we, we're we really missing out on a lot of things that could help advance our understanding a lot faster because of various bias, politics, money lack of money, all the kind of stuff. That is not to embrace the entire paranormal ocean, okay? It's not to embrace every bizarre thing that turns up on coast to coast. It is really a legitimate statement about things extraordinary do turn up that increasingly are not engaged by substantial resources and formal science because it's become too dangerous, too risky. And if you look in the past, let me tell you, a lot of these times when, when, when a scientist, maybe not a layman, layperson, notices this rather very inexplicable thing and decides to, to try to figure it out, they get pounded. I mean, they get a, they, their, their life does not get better at all. 
And in many cases, it just blows them away. But in some cases, they persevere. And in spite of all the pain and suffering, they come up with something. Maybe a legitimate example of this is Tesla. He's certainly in that genre. Mm -hmm. But there are many other things like that. So Skinwalker Ranch is a perfect example of this. <clears throat> Brian, Brandon Frugal did this. Bigelow did this. My government didn't do this. Politicians aren't going to do this. The, the scientists working at the Battelle are not going to do this, and neither is Harvard going to do this. We've set it up where you just can't go there. Not that this has not been the case in ancient times. Let me tell you, you can't. You, you, how many scientists that have been run down in the streets and killed by by citizens because they were doing legitimate science? A big number, but and we, but we should be better than that. We should be moving. This isn't the the 15th century, the 17th century. We're better. We should be better than that. Brandon Fugel is an example of somebody to say, hey, this is appropriate. Now let's see if some more entities will do this as well. Uh, because very soon, actually, I think this one of the reasons this will happen is because once the extraterrestrial presence has been confirmed, the barrier for big corporations, big money, big nonprofits, politicians, science, you name it, is just going to collapse. And all of a sudden, everything out there that looks a little strange is going to get attention big time because the, the veil has been pulled. The barrier has been dropped. Uh, and one of those examples, being that I'm an alumnus and want to talk favorably about my, my uh, what, 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 college? No. Ancient Aliens. Once truth embargo ends, a whole lot of very high-level people are going to be re re going through every single episode of Ancient Aliens and going, hmm, could that be right? Yeah, that could be right. We need to look into that. And, and on and on and on and on. Ancient Aliens is going to have a hell of a good time. I can't imagine how many millions of people, hundreds of millions of people are going to watch every single episode of Ancient Aliens because it is the best show ever done on this subject. It is unbelievable library of information going back thousands of years, all of which becomes potentially legitimate the moment the government goes, yeah, eh, it's eight easier. Yeah, they're here. Sorry we didn't tell you. <laughs> There's my shout-out shout out to A-Day. Eight eight. By the way, the next season is going to start pretty soon. I am not in any of the episodes so far, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll see you on there, Steve. And the last one, I like to ask all my guests this, but uh, particularly relevant for yourself, given we've talked about it quite a lot. What will disclosure mean to you? <clears throat> Many things. Selfishly, it means vindication. It means the opportunity to speak, lecture, actually sell a book if I was able to write one. It also means joy for all of my colleagues, and I don't know, even including those that have passed, because they'll be vindicated too. Uh, that their lives are going to change, that their work has been vindicated, and so forth. And I look forward to celebrating with them. There's that. Uh, it means that by sheer chance. I was part of the crossover from one world into another, from the pre-disclosure world to the post-disclosure world, and the post-disclosure world will will change profoundly. And I can make a very case for the better. 
joy that I'll be able to participate in that since I'm still in relatively good health. Um, and enthusiastic for the work that I, I'll be able to do and stuff I can do. I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be a, it will, it will be an extraordinary end to my life, which for almost for for most of my life was utterly unremarkable. And I will get this gift of a, a remarkable finish. And and uh, I tell you, that's not the way life normally works. If you've got a lot going for you, you have a hell of a good time. And do a lot of cool things in your 20s and 30s and 40s. But the last years, oftentimes, not much. It's just the reverse for me. The first half of my life was another waste. The second half has been cool. But the last part, if we get disclosure, will be extraordinary. And that's uh, – I can't express enough gratitude for that. Um, there will be anxiety because the human race is more than capable of blowing this opportunity. Screwing up, doing the wrong thing. There's still, well, let's just leave it at that. And so it'll be tough. We're worried that that'll happen. But I think just like individuals, like myself or you, Andy, countries and even human civilization, the human race itself, this can be said. There are no guarantees. We know that. Things could go completely to hell. We know that. But all we want is a chance. We just want the chance to live right, do right, make things better, do extraordinary things. We want the chance. We're not asking for a guarantee that we're all going to be happy or win the Nobel Prize or war will go away. That's not the way the world works, but we want the chance, and so and we can have those chances, which is why we need to be very stern and very committed to denying any one, any political party, any religion, any nation, the opportunity to take any of those chances away. You can't do that. You don't. You, we, we, all we want is a chance. You try to take a chance away, that's wrong. We're going to fight you. We're going to push back hard. You try it again, we'll push back even harder. We need those chances to do those things. Anybody that for whatever reason, whatever perverted psychopathological reason thinks, no, 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 no. You, you don't, you're not even going to have a chance to go to college. You're not even going to have a chance to make a decent living. You're not even going to have a chance to have a country that works. We're going to prevent that. That is what has to be stripped out of the human condition. The chances will remain without the guarantees. That's enough for me. I like that. Steve, can you just remind the listeners how they can follow you, follow your work, and also get in touch? ParadigmResearchGroup.org. You can subscribe there to my newsletter. It's free. DisclosureWire.org. You can see the first introductory podcast. I will do more. Give me time. Um, and uh, follow me on Facebook, please. I say me. I mean Paradigm Research Group on Facebook. And follow Paradigm Research Group on Twitter. I need all the followers I can get as an activist. You need that. You can't have too many. So 
there are people out there that have 18 million followers. I, I don't need that many, but I need more. So follow me on Twitter and 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 share tweets, share uh, Facebook posts. Uh, all, everything I have up there in social media is all about the activism. I do post some personal stuff on my personal Facebook page, but I've got 12,000 followers on that page, and I assure you that's because of the activism. So I need all the all the uh, followers I can get. Uh, so do that. And uh, let's see. Is there anything else? Hmm. Oh, 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 well. On my newsletter, I, I, I always include my media schedule, but it's also up on my on the website. If you go to the media schedule, that's under uh, About. You go to ParadigmResearchGroup.org, go to the menu About, click on down to Media Schedule. You, you'll see all the, the media that I've done so much so far this year and all of the interviews that are scheduled going ahead. Uh, and keep in mind, and this is one of the most significant things about the Internet and Internet media that has uh, powerfully affected the ability of activists to do their work and for anybody to get recognized is that unlike 25 years ago, 30 years ago, almost everything that I do is archived. Every interview I give is archived. Every lecture I've done, most of them have been archived somewhere. And so that's why I keep this list and I really keep repeating it because, hey, the interview may have been back in February, but I'm telling you, it, it's archived. You can go listen to it if you want to. And so, in other words, what we do and say is, is it remains. This is some. It, it's also true that if you make an absolutely awful, awful tweet, that remains too. Okay, and so it's for good and for bad. But uh, on the good side, the work that you can do as a citizen now, the internet keeps it. Uh, in many ways, and one of those ways is radio, podcasts, interviews, uh, all there. So that's why the list is there. So you can see that under media. And to give an ex and, and, and make the point, if if you and I've looked into this, if you um, saw a, an interview on say ABC News in 1981, 82, 84, maybe it lasted a minute. And you're going, yeah, I'd like that. I'd like to see that again. You can contact ABC News, and you can, be, you can go to their archives, and they'd be willing to sell you that 60 seconds for $10,000. That's the way it used to be. It ain't that way anymore. And so, again, the Internet is going to get a whole lot of credit for the end of the truth embargo, deservedly so. Andy, it's been great. Yes, it's been a pleasure to speaking to one. you. Absolutely, yes, and that will happen sooner than later as well. Hopefully, uh, when we get a little bit more news, and no doubt after the task force report does or doesn't come out, or we get some wind of hearings, it'd be great to speak to you again, Steve. Anytime, my friend. You're you're a righteous guy, and uh, uh, well, stay safe. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO UAPAM. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.